0: Right. Welcome to Out of the Blue from Maze & Brew, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network. The podcast that was foretold by Egyptian scribes carved into the stone walls of a pharaoh's tomb somewhere in Cairo. I am Jared Stormer of maizeandbrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, my hetero life mate, also of maizeandbrew.com. Andy, you Neolithic scholar capable of hunting a gazelle on foot or seducing a French woman using poetry. How you been, brother?
1: I would never speak to a French so I just want to lay that out there first and foremost. I'm great, my friend. I'm great. It's good to hear from you in the you know crazy land down there in old South America. How are things on the Atlantic?
0: Look, man, they navigate using the Southern Cross. It's bizarre down here. My celestial navigation's just way out of whack. But uh, other than that, it's awesome, man. It's uh, warm, extremely warm and filled with beautiful women, great wine and good meat. So no complaints here, man. You're
1: not missing much here. I put on some weight since we last spoke. I was kind of starting to look like a protractor, but I decided to shave that weight off and now we're leaning back up, you know, basketball season's amping up. I'm ready to go.
0: That a boy. That a boy. Yeah, I'm definitely putting on weight and it has nothing to do with exercise and everything to do with empanadas, but uh Here we go, baby. It is uh, basketball season ramping up and the team ramping up at just the right time as we start to pay attention to it. Very pleased I was able to find a way to stream these games down here. So I will be able to watch while I'm here. And that's key because we were so high on this team coming in and they really underperformed, I think, by any metric. But you look at the talent on this team, you look at what they're capable of when everything is clicking and I still see the reasons to be super high on this team when everything's going correctly.
1: Well, it made me feel really good that even when the season was, you know, kind of diverting from the path we thought it would take was Juwan Howard just kind of steadying the ship, saying, I'm fighting with these guys. I'm in the trenches with them. I'm riding with them and say, "Okay, he sees it here as well, that it's just a chemistry and time issue, something that can get can be fixed. And I think the COVID like, outbreak delayed it, but now you're starting to see the fruits of that. Like Everything is kind of panning out how it should have been. It's like, yeah, we had to replace five key pieces from last year, and now they're finally doing that.
0: Of course, it was going to take some time, and I think we should have just tempered our initial expectations. We were riding so high on the Michigan football season, it didn't really bother us. And it still doesn't actually looking back at it on hindsight because of, like you just mentioned, the talent that needed to be replaced and not just the talent, the leadership, the senior leadership of of the guys like Isaiah Livers, who even when injured is a huge presence. Think Ronnie Bell for the football team, what he means to that team being there and, and having that leadership on the court or at least on the sidelines. So. I think that coming around now and seeing their young guys progress, obviously, it's an excellent sign. It, uh, it 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 tells well. The schedule, as we mentioned last week, does not do them any favors, but I want to go back to something you mentioned about seeing the, uh, the culture shift there. You mentioned Juwan Howard's comments about riding with this team, going back into the trenches, and then they come out and they play some of their best ball. I was noting that the sideline language wasn't quite body language wasn't quite as like excited as it's been in years past. But then you saw the video of the locker room after that win last week against Indiana or excuse me, the other night against Indiana. And it was like, oh, okay. And now I'm starting to see a little bit starting to see just like the body language change.
1: And all it takes is one win something positive to really like hold on to and this team has had so many second half collapses it's been tough to find that silver lining and it's like it feels like the bench was always waiting for okay here we go again almost like Michigan football like previous year's Michigan football here we go again falling apart in this season and then suddenly they weren't they stringed together like two good wins now you see the locker room they're playing running your trap after like a blowout win in assembly hall over Indiana the best defensive team in the big ten so now they finally have some momentum and it's going to be interesting to watch how far they can ride this wave in the middle of the season.
0: I still want to see like the bench mob stuff every time something great happens. And I mean, there were some great plays in this game. Caleb Houston uh, was shooting out of his mind. Hunter Dickinson just took over in this game. And we'll get to uh, the specifics of that Indiana game here in a minute. But I want to see the bench mob stuff like absolute insanity on the sideline. Like if someone does a backflip or just the worm or like any sort of choreographed deal where we're lifting up one of the other individuals, I'm here for it. I I want the madness and chaos on the sidelines. So maybe that's just me being a, a lunatic, but I, I do want to see the energy come up on the bench because we're at our, be- our best when that bench is mobbing out. I think so
1: too, and it'll take some time because we're still playing, you know, nine guys. It feels like so maybe it's, it gets like honed out a little bit. You get some more wins, they'll come up with something. The energy just rises throughout the program and the building. But man, did we really miss our calling as like being just bottom of the bench guys? That that would have been a great place for you and I. We could have podcasted in college together, just rode the bench somewhere, probably like oh, yeah. Division Two.
0: Only go in when we're up by like 36 and probably turn the ball over and commit two personal fouls, but just like choreograph the celebrations on the bench. Yeah, I would absolutely. Yeah, we would have blocking. We would have different lighting. We would have costumes coming out. Um, Yeah, I, I think we really could have been great basketball players or theater performers or some combination of the two.
1: Legit would have been the Paul Thomas Anderson of sideline celebrations. Like, Jared, <laughs> over there. And then Coach would try to put me in the game. He's like, like Bailey, you want to get in? No, nah, I'm good, fam. Like, ne- next person. I'm working. Kobe Bufkin,
0: costume change. Costume change.
1: <laughs> get it. The lights. The lights. And then, yeah, I would, have no, I would have more interest in just, like, being on the sidelines and hanging out with the fellas than ever being
0: in a game. That's some strong basketball analysis by us. But let's actually talk about Michigan basketball and what they're able to do against Maryland. 83-64. This felt like a game. Now, Maryland is a, is a mid-team, as we would call them. Uh, but nonetheless, this was really good to, to get them back on track. Maryland, uh, 64 points in this one. And Michigan really dominating inside. Hunter Dickinson, Diabate were big. Dickinson, ever, ever since coming off of uh, health and safety protocols, really, really starting to show something. But then this Indiana game, where Indiana has not lost at home this year, was really, really telling. And I believe that this maybe is the game that starts to turn the tide. Uh, What did you see specifically in the Indiana game or in Maryland-Indiana together um, that has you starting to feel excited about this team?
1: Consistency. It seems easy with a winning streak, but I believe they're shooting 57.5% games combined. So they've really just hit their stride and they're understanding their team and who they are because this team, I think at the beginning of the season, tried too much to be like the 2021 or 2020 team. They were just trying to be them and they didn't understand who they were yet. So finally, they're understanding who they are, how to move the ball. Dickinson is not afraid to shoot the ball anymore. He seemed to be given the green light there. Diabate's moving around and getting out there. And so it's nice. They're finding out who they are and that's a big step to like, prolonged success.
0: Yeah. Uh, apologize for the gentleman driving through town in an old Chevy truck screaming uh, religious sermons. Uh, you know, it's Buenos Aires. What can I tell what you? What is this
1: East Lansing? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, man, it's uh, it's a different scene, but uh, I, I like that. What you said there, consistency is going to be key with this team and Dickinson really rounding into, the, into form. We go as far as Hunter Dickinson goes. That being said, the pieces around him, Caleb Houston is somebody that I've been very critical of in the past in the past few weeks, mostly because of his status coming in and his expectation that he might be a top 10 draft pick. He just wasn't performing like that. But I love this dude shooting stroke. It's incredible. He made 13 and 19 from the field in the victories, including eight of 11 from three point range. And it just looks really pretty. Like I'm a huge Cade Cunningham fan. And he has a better looking shot than Cade Cunningham, just as far as aesthetics of the shot and high release point and his elbows are tucked in and his feet are pointing forward like it is nice to look at. And when he's hitting that, it opens everything up for everyone else because he should be one of our best shooters. I mean, based on nothing but the fact that it is just pure butter to look at more butter than a Midwestern lasagna.
1: (laughs) (laughs) and for the longest time like can you shoot ugly if you're gonna make them like what does it i don't care how pretty it looks like where's the practicality if you're not gonna hit anything so it finally It's finally just such a relief to see him like coming into form. And maybe it was the jump from high school to college in the competition, or maybe it was something else he was battling mentally. Like There's an adjustment period for sure. These kids are only teenagers. So he finally seems to have found his confidence. And now that they're knocking down shots, it has really enabled Hunter Dickinson as a playmaker and a passer because he's a much better passer than I think he's given credit for.
0: He is. Yeah. And his defense against Indiana is something that I wanted to know. We said coming into this season, if this guy wants to make himself some money, show that he has range, which he does. Uh, He was, what, three of four in this game from deep. Uh, He was excellent from deep. And then his interior defense. Now, he's never going to be Anthony Davis at Kentucky. But this dude, if he can just disrupt shots and be a guy in there that doesn't draw a lot of fouls and can stay in the game, and I mean, he's seven foot, seven foot one, maybe. I mean, that is a dude that, that could be super valuable, and he, he's making himself some money, especially in the last two games.
1: Yeah, he's showing the whole range of skill set, and you said it best. This team goes as far as Hunter Dickinson goes because you need your best players to be your best players at all times. You see like the Kofi Cockburns of teams. You see Auburn right now and what they're doing. You need your guys to step up, and he really struggled to begin this season to be that guy, and we'd heard about some issues off the court which now seem kind of foolish, but he's really found himself again in this new offense, and this team is – except the fact that they're not the team they were last year. They are a new version of themselves.
0: I like that. And yeah, you need your stars to be stars. And Hunter Dickinson in that game, 25 points, nine rebounds, four assists. I love that. Like you mentioned, he he looked really good passing. This was actually, I'm going to say, this is the best Hunter Dickinson's ever looked was in that game. When you talk about what he was able to do defensively as well. Uh, Caleb Houston, 19 points, six rebounds in that game. Devontae Jones, four points, or excuse me, 10 points. <laughs> Seven points. There we go. Seven. seven. (laughs) Look, there's a lot of numbers going on. I got guys yelling sermons out the window. Um, (laughs) So other than Dickinson and, and Caleb Houston, what have you seen in particularly the last two games from some of the other guys? Have you talked about Diabate yet? I mean, you know, this is a pro Diabate part. I think Musa Diabate quickly becoming like Eddie McDoom, his first year beloved amongst Michigan faithful. I mean, this dude is climbing the ranks. He just he is a ball of energy. He is exactly the kind of guy you want on your team. And for a freshman, he just doesn't make like a lot of dumb freshman mistakes, which is something that stands out.
1: He doesn't. And now he's finally like putting some of the skills together with the raw athleticism. He understands this isn't high school where he can just, you know, get to the rim at will and move around like he did then. Now he's finally coupling together both the skills and the athleticism. And it's making him a menace on both ends of the court. But on top of him, we also need to recognize that I think a big change in this team is the play of Devontae Jones. And I believe for me, I started around Illinois when I was like, He's finally getting this, like he's defending without fouling. He's getting to the rim at will, using both hands, creating. So he has settled in as well. And although he's not a freshman, he's experienced. This is new for him playing at this high of a level.
0: Yes. And he has improved, especially over the last two games, far more efficient. He's fouling less. His defense has been solid. He's using that big frame to get inside and get to the basket drawing some contact. I like that. Um, not an offensive explosion, you know, that maybe we thought he would be given some of his statistics, but a good, a solid point guard. Seeding um, some time now to to Kobe Bufkin and even Frankie Collins, who are starting to play a little bit more. And we like what we see from them. But Devontae Jones, I still think your best option and him rounding into form is, is huge, huge. And Come tournament time, you go as far as your guards go, really. I mean, it, it's tough for your center to dominate because um, you're going to be going against a lot of, lot of big interior guys. Uh, how about your boy Terry Two Sticks, though? Really good in this game. Uh, looking like his, his three-point shot, definitely improving. He has one of the best percentages on the team. Uh, I think that he's really going to start to eat into the Brandon Johns minutes, even though they're kind of both coming in as that second unit right now. Um, And I like what I've seen from Jace Howard in limited minutes. I I think Jace Howard's going to be a big culture guy at Michigan. I'm just calling that right now. I mean, it makes sense with his dad there and obviously that's not and his younger brother coming in. That's not too crazy of a take, but I see it with Jace Howard. That's going to be an important guy to this team. And maybe not this year, maybe not even next year, but I think he'll do four years there and just be a guy that you absolutely love.
1: Although it was in a loss, I think the Illinois game was a really come-together moment for this team. Like The team is ravaged by uh, COVID, everybody's in protocols, only a few players were eligible to play, and Jace Howard just showed a ferocious dog in him, going up, going toe-for-toe with Gofie Cockburn in the middle. Hunter Dickinson couldn't play in this one. <clears throat> and I think that also motivated Hunter Dickinson. Like, oh, you're saying I'm scared of this? Like, this is why I'm sitting out? No, I was sick. I was infected. And now I'm coming out to a ball. I think that game just showed a de- defensive ferociousness from this team that we had not seen. Didn't see it in the Seton Hall game when they collapsed early on in the year. Hadn't seen it much since. And at that time, they're like, backs against the wall. No one believes in us. We have about eight guys and like a janitor playing in this one. Let's get after it. And I think that moment changed everybody and might have changed Jace Howard's career trajectory.
0: I, I think so, man, and I think he's going to get more and more minutes as, as his career goes along. Uh, you mentioned the, the tenacity of that defense. When they went to that zone defense with Eli Brooks, Terry Two Sticks, Caleb Houston, and Musa Diabate, goodness gracious, the length of that, the athleticism of that, that is something that you're going to see. And when they go with their all-athletic, all-wing, you know, ultra-long lineup— I think that's going to be something to watch. So I wanted to ask the question, what is our best lineup or your favorite lineup that you've seen?
1: Oh man, that's tough, right? That's really tough because, oh man, I'm going to be way, I'm going to be just like be a little bit biased because I like Frankie Collins's hair so much and the way it (laughs) bounces. Um, all right, let's go. I think the best lineup is, uh, Close to starters, I like Dickinson at the five, obviously. I like Musa at the four, but you can kind of rotate those guys around. And if you want to get Dickinson to shoot some threes there, you can like flip flop them. So I like that versatility. That's nice. Houston, Houston at the three, Eli Brooks shooting to space the floor. And then because he's turned around, it's Devontae Jones. It's the starters for a reason, but I like the mix and match capabilities up front. If you want to go small athleticism with Jace, Terry Two Sticks, something like that. All of my favorite lineups involve the starting five, uh, Terry two sticks and um Frankie Collins I'm not a big Brandon Johns guy I hope he I was hoping he could build off the tournament last year but I think he kind of he's kind of a ball stopper and he doesn't have the athleticism and energy that two sticks and Jace bring to this team
0: I'm with you uh we were really high on him last year and ever since he was recruited he just had this kind of like oh man that's how a power forward should look you should be like big physical be able to battle down there I just don't know that you're getting uh I don't know what the word would be like what you expect out of the frame and and the gifts. He's not super athletic, but I just don't know what he's necessarily bringing with, you know, kind of a lower lower shooting upside as well. But uh, I kind of like the Kobe Bufkin, Terry two sticks, Caleb Houston, Diabate Dickinson, too which is really nice because you get athleticism, you get length. Um, Terry two sticks now shooting from the perimeter like that's really tough. If Houston and Terry Williams, Terrence Williams are shooting the ball well, and then you have an athletic cutting point guard that can drop it off to Diabate or Dickinson or Dickinson can be roaming out on the perimeter now. Man, that just gives you a lot of options. But you're right. The best one is the starting one. But I also like
1: the fact of uh, Terrence Williams' ability to talk trash on the floor. I think it brings an element that riles everybody up. And as a huge fan and proponent of trash talk myself, I love it. Anytime he's on the court, John, I'm like, this is why I love you, Terrence. I'll defend you if you shoot 9% from the field.
0: Big trash talk, guys. Always going to be pro pro that, and yeah, like you want that dog in him. I'm trying to I'm trying to watch a team that's got some absolute dog in them and, and wants to go out there and scrap. And Hunter Dickinson did the like lay the big dick energy celebration down after hitting like his third three or something. Um, that's certainly. Uh, I mean, it, it's hard to call that weak dick energy. Is he
1: is he the Bill Lambeer of the Big Ten? Like, I believe he's he is. We really love him. Yeah, yeah, he
0: is like. <laughs> If you were on another team, you'd be like, "This is the worst." Like, I hate this <laughs> dude. But because he's ours, you're like, "Oh yeah, that's my guy." Like Taylor Lawan,
1: a hundred percent. It's like, uh, like if Kofi Co, like if he was on our team, I'd call him Kofi Coburn. But because he plays for Illinois and their fans are very annoying, I call him Kofi Cockburn. You know, Nazis, Nazis. You know, one of that vernacular switch. So it's if he were on our team, he'd be great. But because he plays for the enemy, you know, we do what we can here.
0: That's how it is. We are uh, nothing if not predictable. All right, man. Uh, that's a good time. Let's take a break. When we come back, we're going all to football. We've got some superlatives. There is some news from the program not involving Jim Harbaugh, though. That remains a complete mystery to all of us, although we'll talk about what we think might be happening on that front. And also, we need to revisit some of our our claims from the past. We uh, we make a lot of them on this podcast, some of them right, most of them wrong. But I- <laughs> But, but I went back, did a deep dive on some of our claims from the offseason and some of the players that we've called. And uh, it's a fascinating exercise to look at where we were wrong and where we were right. So we'll do that when we come back right after this. All right. So basketball, we, we don't need to put a bow on it. We got a game Wednesday against Northwestern. But then Saturday, Michigan State. That is going to be the litmus test right there, and uh, be very interesting. Next time we talk Michigan basketball, we're going to know a lot more about this team. But you win on, you win the next two. All of a sudden, your position to get into the tournament looks much more favorable. You'll be at what eleven and seven then, and uh, yeah, all of a sudden, you know, you've got an absolute path here. As of right now, I think we'd be a nine seed or something like that. Not great.
1: Yeah, that's the projection right now, and you always want to avoid the nine seed because the second round matchup is with the one. So we you don't want that.
0: But you know, conversely, what a rough draw if you're a one seed and you're expecting to cruise through, and all of a sudden you got a suddenly hot Michigan team with talent all over the place. Wouldn't mind that going a little run there, take their path from them, make it ours, run their insane. trap. Hey, I love being the underdog, big fan. But uh, all right, let's shift over to football, our bread and butter. It's off season, but never off for us for talking about it. What are we hearing about Jim Harbaugh, man? Like this uh, at this point, it's drug on so long that if he were to leave, I personally might be a little bit surprised because of the terrible position that would put Michigan in. And I don't necessarily think he would do that. But that being said, I'm hoping things are happening behind the scenes. What have you heard? What do we know, if anything? A few things, and firstly, we don't know anything, but it's also, it's so funny to
1: me that there's so much discourse online, and Jim Harbaugh's just in Florida, recruiting his ass off, doing squats with kids, having a grand old time, you know, doing his job, just going about his life, and it seems like it's very, very highly likely he's coming back. You haven't heard any news from the Raiders ever since they interviewed Rick Pisaccia on that coach front. They've been looking for a GM, and it seems like they're kind of working in unison with Passaccia. The Bears hired a GM today. Uh, Harbaugh, has, I believe, has not interviewed with them or been contacted for an interview with either of them. The Vikings was a uh, team floated out there. That would be a weird move at this time as well. And you put it best. He he hires the Notre Dame uh, defensive line coach, Mike Elson to come over and take a position at Michigan. He's recruiting the way he is right now. He's deep in his work. It would just be such a strange time for him to leave and leave Michigan, the coaching staff, the university, everyone kind of belly up. It's a weird it's a weird timing if he did leave.
0: I could not possibly agree more. It really has the vibe to me of we're doing that not as theater or pageantry, but like this is all part of getting something done behind the scenes to improve that contract or improve the situation, the standards around the program in some way, like there were the whispers of the improvement around the NIL stuff. I don't buy that. Um, but maybe like the transfer portal or something like that, maybe this is leverage, it has more of a feel to that than an actually, I'm going to leave the program type of vibe. And and as things get later and deeper into this, like, what, a, that would be a nightmare of a coaching search at this point. Now, granted, some people might leave their current programs and that sort of thing. But it would be it would be almost a nightmare scenario this this late in the game. It
1: would be bad, especially after the Michigan coaching staff, besides Sean Nua, has stayed intact. You have all this talent returning your position very well. So it would be a very strange time for him to leave then Michigan going this coaching frenzy. I just don't see him doing that for the way he cares about Ann Arbor and the university. And one of the strangest things is, and one of the things he accomplished last year was he established trust with Michigan fans and alumni and future current players there in the program that he can do it. He can win the big 10. He can beat Ohio state. So even if he, we, we have a down season next year, it's like, we've done it before. We have faith in this guy. He has our trust, our belief. And that's one of the hardest things to get in college football. He has that job security now for us. He gave him a 10 year contract. Would you be bad and eye?
0: I would not bat an eye. That seems to be the norm right now. I think that's what they should do. Honestly, if you've got your guy, you lock him up. That's the way college football is going. I mean, look what they just did at Michigan state with far, far less of a resume of Mel Tucker. So yeah, I I would not bat an eye at, at all. Would you? No, none. I think you do what it takes to keep
1: him there. The way he runs the program, clean the belief and everything around it. I love the Mike Elston hire because it's another former Michigan man in the building. That's had success. So, and again, after the Ohio state game, what he said that it feels like the beginning and it's hard to see a person leaving at the beginning.
0: Another thing that he has is a really good team coming back next year and a really good staff. You know, that has yeah. to be somewhat appealing. Is like, Hey, there's a chance that we could be not better on defense, but more explosive on offense. Like maybe the most explosive we've seen in some time. So that has to be appealing. One thing that he hasn't done yet is like, bring his star quarterback in, you know, a la Andrew Luck. There isn't that yet. I'm sure he'd he's there. Well, oh, it's it's coming. It's coming. And we'll <laughs> talk about that all offseason. But uh, you mentioned the Mike Elston hire, a good hire out of Notre Dame, uh, replacing Sean Nua, who is a bummer to lose. It seems like he's just going back to be closer to family. He's from that part of the country, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. Sean Nua was 35th ranked recruiter in the nation. Mike Elston, thirty eighth, thirty eighth. So you're not really losing much. In that regard, Uh, you did have the decommitment of four star Joel Starling, who was a guy that really looked like he was going to be a player. So that's a bummer. That was bound to happen. But let's see what Elston does. Solid recruiter immediately becomes, uh, as far as the 247 rankings, the third best recruiter on the team. So pretty good fill of a position. And it seems to me like a coaching staff that's kind of like revamping and like retooling to run it back.
1: Yeah, they seem very set. We've already discussed the offense coming back next year. It's going to be a monster. And the defense might have gotten another boost as Will Johnson is now the number one ranked corner and number five overall player by rivals, baby.
0: We're going to talk about this in one of our next segments, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and put Will Johnson in the locks. I mean, he, his tape too is part of it and not just the rankings, but you go watch this guy's tape and it's like, he's Jabril Peppers athlete, but like already covers like Lewis. I mean, I, I'm six all three. in six <laughs> three. I mean, I am all in.
1: Yeah. It's, it's a great person to have, especially when you have DJ Turner on the other side, already locked in and Gamon Green there as well. It's a solid third corner. Like that group is going to be the secondary next year. I feel very strong about.
0: I know, I know. I I tweeted a while back that I was so nervous about what happens to this defense when you lose Hutchinson and Ojabo. But I was like, well, hang on now. We could have stars just like not there. And there's another way to, you know, keep an offense at bay. And that's by not allowing them any sort of room to breathe in the secondary. So very excited about what it could be. And that's not even mentioning our boy Zeke Berry, who we'll get to in a minute. Um, I got a superlative for you. Throw it at me. All right, in order to win a Big Ten championship next year, give me one player from the 2015 team and one player from the 2017 team to add to the starting lineup to guarantee a Big Ten championship.
1: 2017. I'm going to go defense on both cases. Or he's, he's, yeah. Smart. Oh, that's yeah. smart. Yeah. Defense on both occasions. And I said it's got to be in the... It's going to be... Mohurst and does oh yeah, Mohurst and Devin Bush. Next question.
0: Ooh, I said Mohurst and Winovich.
1: I like that, but I think we—I would love to. Like, you put Devin Bush and Junior Colson at backer. I like our. We I think we need a linebacker more than we need a defensive end, just depth wise.
0: Mm, yeah, our depth there is concerning, and Devin Bush would help with some of that pass rushing. Okay, you talked him into it. That's correct. <laughs> That's the right. I mean, you just give me
1: the defense. I'm just rubbing my hands together like I'm Birdman. Like, oh, look at this, feeling real good. Or Brett Bielema at a backyard barbecue, looking over the grill. He's about to take over. Let's so. Go. I mean those're the only three players I think we discuss like it's either it's Winovich, it's uh Hurst and it's Devin Bush to put on this team. It's
0: the first time I've ever posed that superlative and uh Dad Rudock did not get chosen from the 2015 team. That's a good sign.
1: That is a great that's, that's true. That is a great point. We we're, we're set there. We don't need a backup
0: no, no, we're good. I mean, our backup might become our starter like it. We're good on two quarterbacks uh, where we might need some help is on the defensive side. I totally agree with you. Uh, is Ronnie Bell a surefire pick to be the leading receiver next year?
1: Yes, I'm like, it's fun to, you know, just to debate this. If Andrew Anthony can take the strides mentally or Roman Wilson, CJ, those guys to do it. The ball spread around. No, Ronnie Bell is so far and away the number one on this team. Like just because we've only seen him, you know, make two spectacular, three spectacular plays a couple months ago. We forget a little bit. No, check the tape, check the experience, check the leadership. Ronnie Bell is going to get the damn ball. He's going to get it a lot.
0: The hands are there. We'll see how he fares after the injury would be the only reason that didn't come to fruition. If he's maybe not, you know, the same player, if there's just even a, a, maybe a little bit taken off a la Jake Ryan, who just lost a little bit after the knee injury. So I certainly hope that's not the case, but that would be the only way I don't see that coming true. So I agree with you there. Ronnie Bell, man, I went back when I was doing some, uh, stuff for the site recently. And I was just
1: watching the Western Michigan highlights and the catch that doesn't count out of bounds. And then just the, the one catch he has on the season for a 76 yard touchdown. And then the punt return where it's like, people are just allergic to touching him. He's just like making them miss somehow. It's like, who, who is this guy who gave us Reggie Bush this season? And then, you know, the worst happened. I, Oh,
0: yeah, it's uh, it's unfortunate because he looked like he was going to be the best receiver. I mean, I was like, who is even Chris Olave, and why are you bringing him up? Look at Ron Ronald Bell, sir. That's all you need <laughs> think, to know.
1: I think Ronnie Bell is the most important player coming back next season for the locker room. For the locker room,
0: I'll yes. buy that. I'll I'll yep. buy that because uh, Cade Mack would be the other guy you would bring up. But it's like, well, I mean, JJ looks like a leader of men <laughs> already. Yep.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's other leaders on this team, but Ronnie Bell being voted team captain this year, and I believe in 2020 as well, speaks to the volumes, and he's the one that can carry the burden of the um, Hassan Haskins, Andrew Vastardis, Hutchinson, all those guys, Brad Hawkins into this season.
0: I'm with you, man. All right, some more superlatives. Big At Big Ten Rankings on Twitter, put out a list of fan bases you would want to have a beer with. We're going to go through this really quickly. Number one was Michigan. Number two, Nebraska. Three, Purdue. Four, Penn State. Five, Michigan State. Six, Northwestern. Seven, Ohio State. Eight, Illinois. Nine, Minnesota. Maryland, Indiana, Iowa. Wisconsin at 13 and Rutgers at 14. Is this the worst list ever created?
1: This is pretty terrible. I'm not going to lie. I've seen some things in my life and this is among the worst. So the one Wisconsin at 13 jumps off the page to you immediately. Like I've met tons of Wisconsinites, Wisconsin, whatever you want to call them, like hung out with a bunch. It's a great place to drink beer. Madison's a lovely town. So 13 is criminal.
0: I agree with you there. Uh, the, the people that I just met most recently at this bar in Argentina at the Alamo, shout out to them. A uh, lot of Wisconsinites. That's where they were all from, all there to cheer on uh, Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers, who, uh, I mean, I po- could not possibly get behind that. But even with that difference of opinion, these were the best people, very kind people. Also, shout out to uh, Francisco, said he was going to tune in. Listen, the biggest Tom Brady fan in all of Argentina. He corrected me on his middle name, knows his stuff. Good, good for him. Shout out, Francisco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big fan of Brady. But yeah, Wisconsin too low, Michigan too high. I mean, look, that's who I drink with most of the time. Number one over Minnesota and Wisconsin, too high.
1: It's a little too high as well. Nebraska too high. They call it the Midwest there because it's mid. Um, (laughs) let's, Let's talk about what they got right. Rutgers being last. Yes.
0: Yes. All right. And then next after that, Maryland, like, I, or yeah, I don't think I care. Yeah. I don't, I don't care about Maryland. Who you got after that?
1: Maryland's next. And then I'm going to go, I'm probably going to go Nebraska.
0: Whoa. Okay. They're very kind. Um, I'll go Michigan state next.
1: That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I'll, I'll yeah, I'll take that ruling. Let's I've go met Michigan like two state of next. them
0: I like in my, in my entire life. And one of them was wearing a colostomy bag, literally. <laughs> <laughs> the time I talked to him, he had a colostomy bag on. Are Northwestern
1: story. fans fun to drink with?,
0: uh, they probably know some stuff about yeah, they're they're intelligent, but like, are they gonna be fun to drink with? No, they're gonna be one and done.
1: That's true. Good journalistic programs are pretty good banter at the table, but yeah, not, not a lot the volume there. We're probably home by nine.
0: Nah, home by nine. Very boring. Next Ohio state. Uh, you're not home by nine, but there are seven pitchers of Bush light or a really terrible Bud light. something not a good beer. They're very deep into it and they're yelling at things. Even if it's like sports center or first take, they're yelling back at Stephen A. Smith at 10 a.m. It's- in a bar.
1: It's the yelling for me. It's the chip on the shoulder mentality when you've had one of the most dominant football programs for several years. Yeah, 100%. They're Columbus, though, fun city.
0: Yeah, the only reason they're not lower is I have way too many Ohio State fans growing up there, so I can't be too disparaging. Uh, Illinois, do they get some love for the Brett Bielma rib master here?
1: I think Nebraska should go here. I, have, I want to put some respect on Illinois.
0: Okay, all right. Nebraska, then Illinois, maybe?
1: Then Illinois, yep, that's good
0: um or maybe purdue
1: yeah purdue's a good it's it's an interesting like differentiating purdue and indiana there
0: yeah they should just kind of be in the middle yeah <laughs> just they're mid that's the midwest there's a mid, mid. the definition <laughs> of mid all right uh and then and then we're getting into some of the top tier stuff maybe let's go penn state i think penn state's good uh, they know penn how to state. drink
1: they do know how to drink, good town, good balance of everything you want there. Pennsylvania is a low-key, underrated football state as well. Allentown's a lovely place, so I think that's a good place for them.
0: Uh, we already did Indiana, right? They should be a little we, lower if we didn't.
1: We did them. Yeah, they were right there in the mid-tier with Purdue. Right. I think, Iowa. I, we I, Iowa. Iowa.
0: Yeah, yeah, Iowa. Now we're getting into probably, I think the top three should be Michigan, Michigan, wisconsin minnesota in some order probably minnesota wisconsin and then michigan that's my top three
1: i would go yeah i would go wisconsin minnesota then michigan third's a good place for michigan but those i mean up north at minnesota that area i mean those guys they know how to drink drink
0: oh yeah it's hospitality drinking and fights so you're either like being welcomed and given casserole made from a lovely blonde haired woman with saskatchewan descendancy uh or you're in a fight being thrown through a plate glass window in front of a bar named Ralph's it's there's no in between.
1: One time I helped my friends, uh, they were working for a furniture moving company in Western Michigan and they had to move stuff into Wisconsin. So I tagged along with them that weekend and we were like 30 miles from the border. Like, let's go to Minnesota. They're for no reason just to go to a bar. So we drove 30 miles into Minnesota and had a great time because it had my favorite things in the world. It had Budweiser. It had a very mean female bartender that smelled like cigarettes. And I felt like uncomfortable to be there, but also welcomed at the same time. So very strong number two for me.
0: Uh, yeah, absolutely. That sounds like the perfect Midwest Bar. The bartender's name's like Roxanne or something like that. It's great.
1: Something like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, gotta take a moment, talk about our people over at Home Field Apparel out of Indianapolis, been with us since the beginning. The incredibly comfortable, incredibly affordable sportswear brand with one of the largest and most comprehensive selections. College apparel in the game right now. It's off season. It's cold in America. I wouldn't know nothing about that, but this is hoodie season. Go check out Homefield apparel and they will get you covered up nicely and you can get 20% off your first purchase with MNB at checkout at homefieldapparel.com. All right, man, we wanted to be a little bit more transparent this season. That was one of the goals about what we are right about and what we were wrong about because we make a lot of claims here and uh it's very easy to just make a claim move on never look back but we're not that type we're gonna own up for our mistakes so that way we can pat ourselves on the back for our successes
1: you have to repent for your sins one night i remember they approached me and you shouted i am god from the top of a building outside but you know you also shouted seize this man so things have happened
0: Bar mitzvahs, what are you going to (laughs) do?
1: Exactly. Take the belt off your neck and get out of there. So now now is a chance to repent for our sins, but also congratulate ourselves on the things we've done well.
0: All right. So uh, in the coming weeks, we'll look back at some of our season predictions. But this week, I wanted to talk about players because I wanted to see how this might fare for the guys that we're calling out now. Because you and I are starting to make our predictions for next year and who we think are the guys that are going to step up. So we're going to go through our locks the guys that we were picking and then the guys that the jury is kind of still out on that we've that we've we've thrown out there as well.
1: Yeah, let's do this, man. I can't wait to look back at some of these names I'm I'm trying not to look too much into the docs. I want to come to me fresh in the moment because I'm sure they're going to throw out some name I haven't heard in forever like Willie Henry. So I'm just I'm ready to get into this.
0: Yeah, so we got to go back uh, back to the beginning here. You and I were both high on Jake Ryan and Moe Hurst. Those are hits. Uh, Jordan Lewis, that's a, both of us, junior Colson. I called as a recruit. Um, that's, that's
1: that's, yeah, that you are Nostradamus on that one.
0: Yep. Uh, Devin Bush, we both called as a recruit. These are our locks, by the way, we, these are only the locks. We don't, we only do about one or two locks a year.
1: Yeah. We hit dev. I remember I was at the 2017 spring game and you, you watched it on TV and we're like, Oh, yeah. Devin Bush is a problem.
0: Oh, yeah. So uh, so I should clarify, too. Jake Ryan and Mo Hurst were guys that we were locks as pros. Jordan Lewis was a guy that we had a lock as a pro. So I need to clarify. Sometimes we say a guy as a lock as he's being drafted. Other times we say it as a recruit. Yep, so yep. to clarify, moving forward, Devin Bush as a recruit. That was both of us. Uh, Run DMC as a recruit. That was one of mine. Uh, yeah. Khaliq Hudson, both a guy that we were pretty high on as a recruit. debatable if we said he was a lock, I I was pretty high on Hudson. I'll say he was a lock for me. Uh, You had Jabril Peppers as a lock. Zeke Berry is currently a lock for both of us. Uh, Franz Wagner as a pro was a lock. And John Runyon Jr. as a pro was one of our locks.
1: I think we did pretty damn well there. I mean, I mean. It's hard to be perfect all the time, but John Runyon, he won us over so much after the 2018 Notre Dame game when he was a revolving door of awfulness to become an all-Big Ten player. I'm like, yeah, this guy cannot suck at the next level, and he's already found his way into the starting rotation on the Green Bay Packers.
0: That was probably the biggest win there. That's the biggest you're calling your shot um, of the locks that we picked. Um, Both of us calling Devin Bush and me calling Junior Colson, those seem a little easy. Because like there was enough about them. They're like, yeah, this is a really, really high four-star. Both of them could maybe be a five-star. Those ones don't seem like, all right, Like that was going anything crazy there. Um, Jabril Peppers, for you, a five-star. I mean, can't really state. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty easy there. Um, And then there's some misses misses in there. I mean, Jordan Lewis is kind of a jury still out as a pro. I think he's a solid pro, though.
1: He is. He got a second contract with the same team, so that speaks volumes.
0: Yeah. So oh, we're doing pretty well on our locks. Franz Wagner as a pro also looking like a, a very good lock.
1: Easy one. And also, I'm going to, we'll do our official locks for these recruits, but that, uh, I think the Idaho tight end, I love that kid.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're high on him. Are there any other locks that I missed, though? I went back through as many old docs as I could trying to find guys that we were locking in. Uh, Diabate, we were high on preseason this year. He's almost a lock just because of how high we were on him just based on practice videos.
1: I think, I, th- I think that's pretty much it. We nailed Devin Bush at both levels. We knew he was going to be a stud. I think maybe we, yeah, we'll get into it in a little bit here with some of the other ones because the misses are coming to my mind more than the locks.
0: Yep. All right. So here are the picks. These are the ones that we weren't like, you know, it in our blood, but we were. We we're saying these are guys that are going to hit. It uh, gets a little dicey. Miles Sims, Omari Samuels. Kareem Walker, yeah. Thomas Rawls. That was me, and I didn't necessarily get proven wrong on that. Uh, Elise en- en- Mbasse, that was me. That was bad. Eddie, Eddie-, 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 yeah, Eddie McDoom, both of us. Uh, yeah. Joe Milton, me. Run DMC, I think maybe both of us. Yeah. Definitely of me. Us. Yeah, yeah, both of us. Uh, Jake Rudock, as an NFL backup. That was both of us. And I think we're right there. Yeah, he was for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. He was like four years. Uh, Darbo and Chesson. I had Darbo. You had Chesson as (laughs) NFL productive guys. Both hold the L on that one. Yeah, (laughs) we'll hold those Ls. We both had Maurice Hurst. Uh, That was in the locks. Sorry. Uh, Karan Higdon we both had as an impactful NFL guy.
1: Yeah, I missed on that one, man.
0: Yep. Here's one. Both of us as a recruit liked Eric All.
1: Oh, that's it. We're, we hit that. That's I mean, we nailed that. <laughs> that's looking
0: better. Aiden Hutch, we said, was uh, close to a lock, but we I, he doesn't quite get lock status, but we both picked him. Um, both picked Cesar Ruiz as a recruit and as an NFL guy. Hit that. Both picked Bredesen as a recruit, much higher as on him as a recruit than uh, as an NFL prospect. And I think that is almost exactly how it worked out. And uh yeah, my pick for next year is Mason Graham, and you had the tight end from Idaho.
1: Yeah, Colston Loveland, I think's his name.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So overall, what's that look like? I, I named the really bad ones. Miles Sims, Omari Samuels, Elise Mbasa. Two of those guys tried to like murder coaches or assistants <laughs> or something.
1: <laughs> yeah, the Kareem Walker one was tough for us as well. We totally whiffed on that. Um yeah, Omari Samuels, yeah, not great either. Who else did we? There's definitely some more there. We're just like, yeah, he's going to – Andre Seldon.
0: Andre Seldon, uh, yeah, he transferred now. Joe Milton. my uh, Miles Sims was a big one for me. I was all in because his name was Spider Sims. That was really not my best, like, deep dive reporting that I did there. I was like, his name is Spider.
1: <laughs> or like uh, Kakoa Crawford wearing the number one egg. He thought in 17 he's going to be the guy. And it's like, no, not him. No.
0: No, sometimes we just like, like a guy because of his hair, his name or the number he wears. So I think that's where a lot of our misses come from. The running backs really stood out to me because we were getting all these really highly recruited running backs and it made sense. You got to pick one every year be like, all right, that guy should work out. He looks good. But Omari Samuels, Kareem Walker, Thomas Rawls, and there's another guy, uh, uh, Derek Derek Green, Derek Green. Yeah. I mean, it just, the list goes on. It's like, man, did we miss on running backs year after year?
1: Like, think of all the misses we had trying to replace the shoes of Mike Hart. And it took a former linebacker and Hassan Haskins to do so.
0: Yes. Um, now, that being said, we've gotten better in recent years about p- our picks. Now we're not getting as outrageous with it. And guys like, you know, Bredesen and, and uh, guys on the offensive line that we're really high on. Um, another guy that I had really high was James Hudson, who transferred and ended up going to the Cleveland Browns he was tackled or he was drafted as a tackle. Um, so I won't say that I missed on him either. So i got to add his name in
1: there. One as well for me is Ryan Hayes, because I was big on the Ryan Hayes yes. thing pretty early.
0: Yep, yep, absolutely there. Uh, some ones that the jury's still out on, Sean Day Brown as a pro. We thought he could be a rotational off your bench guy. Um, he's in and out of the G League for the Lakers. So I'd, I'd say jury's still out. Uh, Jabril Peppers as an excellent, you had him as an NFL stud. I would say the jury's out on that. Yeah, um, he's
1: just the injury this year as well, too.
0: Yep. Uh, Nico Collins. That was my lock as a pro. Definitely jury's still out. Get him a quarterback. Get him on a better team. I really I really think he is better than his numbers.
1: Yeah, him and DPJ as well. Like, I thought he was going to emerge, but he seems yeah. to, to be middling right now. But, it's hard, but again, jury's out on DPJ because of the Baker Mayfield labrum injury.
0: Yep, absolutely. Uh, Chase Winovich. As a guy that we were, I would say, Jury's still out because he's really having a down year now, but burst onto the scene in New England. Same with Uche there. Uh, ben Bredesen, we thought, you know, probably a better recruit than an NFL guy. And then Ruiz is a guy we were both high on. So Jury's still out on him, too.
1: He's good ones we kind of missed in the NFL, to be honest, where we didn't think Anwenu would be the stud he is right away. And Rashawn Gary, my God, Ooh. you and I were that's one we were right about, though. We said Rashawn Gary is going to be a better pro than at Michigan because he'll be utilized properly.
0: I had him listed on there, but we were not like super high on him. But we were also like, it feels like he was used wrong. So we were kind of just like middling, like, I think he's going to be, yeah, better. So I would say we were closer to right than wrong on Rashawn Gary. You're, you're, you're correct.
1: I think so, too. And pay we'll wait and see. You and I weren't super high on, like, if he could fully develop, and it seems like he is. He's in a great position with the Colts. He had a really good year, according to PFF. But, again, PFF loves Michigan, guys, as we know. So, we'll wait and see in him. We're not going to cast judgment either way after one season.
0: Uh, David Long, another guy that uh, we were pretty high on. We're like, look at the numbers here. And he's really starting to emerge. Ambry Thomas. Yeah, yeah my um, hands are hurting
1: from us right now. Let's keep it going. Well, I mean, look,
0: some of these guys, you know, we, we gave very – middling yeah. grades too. So I'm not going to pat ourselves on the back when you're just like, yeah, it could work. That's not really something we're celebrating. So who are your guys getting drafted this year? And, uh, and what are your, your takes on them? Let's get it out there on record. So we can say we can pat ourselves on the back, like seals. H-
1: <laughs> Hutchinson stud. That's no, you're not breaking any ground lock, that. lock, lock, lock him in uh, David Ojabo would be a situational pass rusher that shouldn't go in the top 10. No offense to him, but that's just where I see him developing as
0: right now. If he came back another year and showed that he could be useful against the run as well, I think that that's a far more um, useful NFL player. So I'm with you. Um, if he's going to be like a super impactful guy, I don't think it's until like year three, maybe, and yeah. with some other guys around him. Um, but yeah, I, I, that makes it sound like I'm low on Ojabo, like speed wise, athleticism wise, like he's just got a little bit of ways to go, I think.
1: Uh, Dax Hill will be a v- valuable piece in any secondary he plays in. I don't know what his ceiling is, but I think he has a high floor.
0: Dax Hill better pro career than college career is going numbers wise. That's my call.
1: Yeah, yeah. I see. Numbers never really tell the full story sure. there. It's like, I mean, Jake Butt put it, put us on blast with that, and it's all—it's just like changed my whole perspective. I'm like, you know what? You're right about that. Yep. And. I have an interesting comp for you. I want to see if you feel the same way, and I, I thank this because I was I'm too I subscribe so much to Jay Harbaugh's Twitter feed. Brad Hawkins as Matthew Slater in the NFL.
0: Brad Hawkins as Matthew Slater in the NFL. Okay,
1: the special teams ace who is about the same build for he, he could play safety, but he's so good on special teams and so veteran savvy, and brings the leadership that he could be a perennial Pro Bowler from that kind of position. And I think wow. Slater laid the framework.
0: Wow, that is very interesting. He was the best in all of the strip drills. Uh, he had the most forced fumbles on the team. They said he did that the most in practice. That's very valuable, especially on special teams. I like that. I think, yeah, a valuable special teams guy. Okay, I could see that with Brett Hawkins. And then I guess the other guy would be uh has other guys would be Haskins and Stuber.
1: I think. I think Hassan Haskins cannot suck at football. Like no matter where he goes, he is either third down back or what Hassan Haskins will contribute to an NFL team and he will be
0: good. Dude, we are consistently wrong about the running backs. I don't care. He has to be able to contribute. He has speed too. He has enough speed. Now he's maybe not like a, He's definitely not like a Derrick Henry in the yeah. fact that he has that size and speed combination, but he has the strength of Devion Smith and the speed of, you know, Karan Higdon. So I think that he can absolutely be a rotational back, probably taken somewhere around the fourth, fifth round. And, you know, if he's backing up, say, like Joe Mixon or something in Cincinnati and that's your one 2 punch, like that's a lot of fun.
1: It's a lot of fun. I think he definitely has a place, man. And for as far as Stuber goes, with his size at six seven, he's going to fit in somewhere. And Michigan offensive linemen have a pretty good track record of finding their way in the NFL.
0: Offensive linemen are at a premium, especially at the tackle position. He's a guy that could play either tackle. He will be drafted. Yeah, absolutely guarantee that. I think he's probably a second string guy, but that means you're going to see a lot of playing time. Probably. I mean, look at all of our offensive linemen.
1: Yeah, so we got three more. So Vastardis, I think, will could explore it, but I think he's gonna make more contributions in the medical world, whatever he chooses to do. That guy is ridiculously smart. Uh, Vincent Gray, I think, will have a Channing stribling like career. Like he might catch on somewhere for a little bit, but I think I don't know if it can last. And Josh Ross is a very is the one I can't pin down.
0: Josh Ross is tough. You want to say that's a guy that could really like his leadership and what, but I don't know if that translates because it's going to be more about your athleticism and what you can physically do at the next level. And there, I think he really has some limitations. I I love what he does and he hits as hard as any guy we had on the team. Um, But I would be very surprised if he's like a huge contributor. His ceiling is like the Ben Gideon breakout at Minnesota where it was like, wow, this guy is way more serviceable than we thought. I think so as well. So that's something to keep an eye on. He's the one, like, I just can't. If you told me
1: he ended up making a Pro Bowl, I'd believe you. If you told me he wasn't in the NFL in two years, I'd also believe you.
0: I'm with you. Um, and you had the great draft profile that you wrote on Aiden Hutchinson. Go check that out on Mason and Brew. That was really well written. And, yeah, potentially three guys going in the first round. That doesn't suck for recruiting. So we'll see. Uh, do you think Dax gets into the first round?
1: I think he does because all Michigan guys are going to test outrageous at the Combine. And I think Hutch is a lock pretty much. He's not getting past the Lions. I think Evan Neal goes one. Hutch comes home, stays right there <laughs> with us to what we're building in that Dan Campbell locker room. I think Ojabo's top 15. And I think Dax sneaks in somewhere between like 32 and 25.
0: The resurgence of Detroit Sparts might mess around and get me back uh, into Michigan here soon. I mean, Hutch goes back to Lions Cade. The Tigers are starting to really improve. Obviously, the Wolverines. Oh, I might consider the, the, the Red Wings, Dylan Larkin, like, come on, let's go. Lucas Raymond. I'm in. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, good time to be a Michigan fan and hopefully we hear something on Jim Harbaugh soon. I pray the next time that we talk and probably two weeks, uh, you know, we can, we can take, yeah, we can go once every two weeks here for a little bit, especially while I am abroad. Uh, but hopefully next time we come back, we have some news on that brother. Anything else from you before we call it? No, man, be safe. Can't wait to talk about more Michigan
1: basketball wins, Jim Harbaugh's new contract, and whatever greatness Aiden Hutchinson achieves next.
0: Yes, Northwestern uh, will have already occurred by the time you hear this and got to beat Sparty on Saturday. Huge game. Try and watch that one if you can, everyone. I am Jared. That is Andy. This is Out of the Blue. Uh, We'd like to remind you that wherever you go, go blue.